Hi, my name is Anne McElhenney. And I'm Phelan McAleer. And welcome to the Anne and Phelan Scoop Daily Virus. What what happens in the Daily Virus, Phelan? We discuss, it's where we discuss the latest news, views, advice and madness of the pandemic. Thanks. Good to know. So, it's Tuesday, August the 25th, week 23. That's almost six months of the two-week flat in the curve lockdown. Um, what, what are we talking this about This will today? be the longest two weeks in Christendom, I'll tell you. <laughs> and every other dumb as well. Yes, dumb, um, dumb, dumb. That's a reference to a South Park episode there about the moment. Dumb, dumb, dumb. All right, Phelan, what's happening in the show smart, today? Smart, smart, smart. Of course, we're all in this together. Unless, of course, you are a... Normal person. Yes, then you're not in it together with the with the with the posh people who who are uh, who gonna... artists. Uh, artists are different. these are called teasers, Phelan. Yes. So we just won't tell the whole story yet. We're going to tease. Um, it took me it took me five months of this six month two week flatten the curve lockdown to get Anne to accept that teasers are important for this project, and now she's a teaser fascist. She won't allow me to go beyond the teasing of the teaser. In fact, she, she wants teasers for the teasers. Enough. Um, we have this a, ends now. We have a terrible story from the UK showing what the wonderful NHS has done for cancer patients during the pandemic, which should be um, you know, a warning shot for people in the United States who seem to be so obsessed with the idea of socialised medicine. But anyway... Also in the UK, uh, American novelist Lionel Shriver uh, has some tough questions about the alleged racism of the Chinese uh, coronavirus and some tough questions about obesity. Uh, Very interesting what she's written. And is California emerging from its long politically induced economic nightmares? Question mark. The answer to that is probably no, but I I don't want to give away the teaser. And... The LA Times thinks there is no economic or political nightmare in California. Let's let's examine that. And apropos of nothing, we have a story from the New York Times again um, proving that they are, you know, that they win win all the prizes for fake news. Um, you know, we should nearly do a compendium someday of headlines that they've put together and stories they've run during this pandemic that just couldn't be more wrong. Okay. They seem to have a major problem with math. Okay, there's me breaking the whole teaser thing. Yes, can uh, you? So- go- and I, that's right, breaking the teaser. So please, um, you know. Okay, what tell us? Teaser tell for us? the teaser for me, but not for the. Tell so us. I mean, this story shocked me actually, and I meant to have it on yesterday's virus, but we, we ran out of time. It, it's just it's a truly shocking story. So the VMA, the Video Music Awards, right? they're incredibly important film. Very important. Incredibly important. So Video at music the awards. moment, if uh, if you're traveling from 34 states into into New York you are forced to go into a two-week isolation quarantine. In New York? In New York State. So, no exceptions. Uh, if you come from the 34 states, there are police checkpoints. There are fines. You know, if you don't pay the fines, you go to prison. Unless, of course, you're coming for the Video Music Awards, which are on August the 30th. Then, uh, if, you're, if you're a celebrity or part of their crew, you go right into New York, no isolation, no quarantine. Because of science film. Is it because of science film? Who said this? Is this Andrew Cuomo? Is this Governor Awesome? Yeah. And, is this and, the guy that makes women all a flutter? And this is the guy. It's also uh, Mayor de Blasio as well. They're all in it. Um, so that for the for the performances, none of the none of the performers or the crew will 
be forced to go under quarantine because this is so important. VMA. Uh, yeah, the VMA, the Video, Video Music, Music Awards. Award. Like, what is the 1980s or something? Well, I'm just thinking about all of our viewers and listeners here, you know, that, you know, obviously, I mean, I've been waiting all year for the VMAs myself. Right, Phil? I didn't even know they were still around. I didn't know that. I thought that was like MTV. So MTV does still still exist, does it? I assume so. I haven't seen it on my television channels. I want my own TV, MTV. I mean, so, yeah, so just to let you know, if you if you broke the quarantine, you would be... If you're su- a normal person. And you broke the quarantine, you're subject to a fine of $10,000 or up to 15 days in jail. But this ruling was granted an exemption by the State Department of Health. Yeah, so it's Cuomo. It's Cuomo. Governor Cuomo. You know, so all the, all the Hollywood and all the music celebrities don't... are exempt from... The regulations the rest of us are, are forced to endure, but they're also exempt from catching COVID. It's pretty amazing. Oh, dear. Very, yeah. I, I, and yet, and yet, somehow, uh, it just shows you exactly how powerful the fake media are. Because somehow, Andrew Cuomo comes away unscathed from this and all the other awful things, He's including, really, obviously, the, the, the killing, the intentional killing of vulnerable old people who were forced through a mandate by New York to go back into... While in fact it go back into nursing homes, and that was a mandate. That was a that was a statewide mandate, um, and is responsible for. I mean, you know, the numbers, and we're going to talk later about numbers, about uh, you know the worldwide numbers and stuff like that. The USA's numbers. If you took out New York's death toll in nursing homes, and people um, who came out of nurse, you know, that whole nursing home drama. If you took that out. The numbers in the, in the United States actually are extremely low. But he's writing a book about leadership. Right? And he's like writing a book about but, leadership. I mean, actually, his best bit of leadership was to, to fake the numbers out of the nursing homes. and, uh, and Explain and that to people, because that, that is an extraordinary So if you look thing. at the numbers, 6,000 people out of the 20,000 in New York died in nursing homes. However, that's only people who got sick and died in nursing homes. In the nursing homes. People who got sick in nursing homes. And then died in the ambulance, or died in the hospital. Literally died in the ambulance, by the way. Yes, right. Or uh, yeah, on the way to the ambulance, uh, outside the, the home, were, were not, not counted. counted. Just to remind you, what Cuomo did, he he forced uh, by mandate nursing homes to take back sick people who were not fully cured of, of the virus and brought them back into the home to reinfect people. Okay. Let's go on to. Okay, so so we have this story from again from our friends um, at Lockdown Skeptics, Toby Young, who asked his readers, um, you know, to, to send in stories about what was happening with the NHS. The NHS is the National Health Service in the United Kingdom, which people, um, you know, uh, Ameri- a lot of Americans actually, I think an awful lot of liberal Americans would love to see the NHS happen here. The NHS, I think, is one of the biggest employers on the planet Earth. Um, huge, massive thing. But anyway, yeah, so this will give maybe this is maybe this is some kind of a teachable moment actually for people in America who think that the NHS is great. So, so this is a woman who wrote in to Lockdown Skeptics to say what happened with her husband. Here's the story. My husband has a history of Hodgkin's lymphoma and is one of the 1.5 million people who were sent a long, terribly concerned letter from the government strongly urging him to stay at home until they decided it was safe enough to venture out again. In the first week of lockdown, he discovered a lump in his neck and after some hesitation, tried to see our local GP, that's the local doctor. The surgery was abandoned by all the doctors who were told were working from home. A doctor rang my husband the following day for a consultation. No Zoom and no access to his medical notes. However, due to his history, the doctor agreed to refer my husband to our local hospital in Clemsford. 
After two weeks, we discovered he had been referred back to the GP. We tried again and another referral was made which was taken more seriously. Since then, he has had a PET scan showing areas of concern and two biopsies, the first one on June the 26th, the results of which would be discussed with us by phone on June the 24th, July the 24th, wow. a month later. Wow, and so the biopsy was done on June 26th and you're going to discuss the results on July 24th. And this is a biopsy that had was areas of concern. The day came, but no phone call. We rang them, only to be told the wrong biopsy had been done, a fine needle aspiration instead of a core biopsy, and a new biopsy would be done on August the 5th. He was now officially a fast path patient, <laughs> and we were promised a phone consultation to discuss the results on August 20th. Again, no call, no results. My husband first made contact with the GP on April the 9th. It is now nearly September, and he has yet to see a medical professional and we know no more than we did in early April. The stress and anger this has caused us, me in particular, are impossible to describe. My husband is an otherwise fit and healthy 60-year-old father um, and of two teenage children. He hasn't missed a day of work during this whole time, keeping a small manufacturing company in Harlow going without any redundancies or furloughs. I feel I've woken up to a, in a parallel universe where the normal citizenry have been turned into obedient Stepford wives and the government and its institutions are the smug husbands. We are at sea in a sinking boat drifting further from shore whilst the lifeguards look on shrugging their shoulders before turning away to deal with a couple of cases of mild sunburn. I don't feel I can ever love my country again. That made me nearly want to cry, that lady, you know. So she, her husband hasn't seen, a, hasn't seen a doctor and she, they have a major problem and he has a history of cancer since April and it's now September. And, and if, you, if, you know, if you love the NHS, that's the NHS. And by the way, we know plenty of stories about the NHS yes. that don't at all, this doesn't at all shock us. Yes. But on to Lionel Shriver. We love Lionel Shriver. And she's writing in The Spectator, by the way. Again, another, another story, a COVID story here. See, we've heard all this about COVID being basically racist. Racist. Racist, racist and actually pinpointing and going after uh, uh, ethnic, minority. ethnic minorities. But I think that the kind of implication is that ethnic minorities are poor. Is that kind of, is that part yeah, of it? Yeah, and probably get bit worse, um, as they would say, worse, uh, as, as I would as they say in Ireland, worse. Uh, worse, or worse, worse treatment, uh, etc. Because because doctors are racist and the health service is racist and health. Service. Well, it's, that is not what is happening, is it, Anne? So here's what here's what Lionel Shriver is writing about. She's really brilliant. She says the American and British media have chided for months about higher COVID fatality rates among minorities, and I've previously cast medical dubity on the fashionable claim that these patients are dying of racism. I've never heard that word before. Released last month, a statistically meticulous Columbia University study of some 7,000 cases validates my skepticism. And you know, we of course had Lionel Shriver on our podcast, on our daily, on our uh, weekly scoop, yeah. on the Anne and Phelan scoop. And as she says, she, she doesn't like, she says she actually doesn't like it, but she's basically right about everything. So her skepticism has been, um, has been validated by this Columbia study. So the study did not find race or ethnicity to be an independent risk factor. The researchers did find extreme obesity to be a strong independent risk factor for worse outcomes. The crucial variable is not race, it's fat. 
Patients with extreme obesity or a BMI of 40 or more. This is, this is Lionel Schreiber. This is Lionel Were mo almost three times more likely to die from COVID than people of normal weight. And this is, by the way, Lionel Schreiber writing in The Spectator, the oldest magazine on the planet Earth, which we love. Those with a BMI of 45 or more were four times more likely to die. And poundage is as perilous for young people as for the over 60s. So really amazing, actually. And basically, she's, she's making the, you know, the point. That, yeah, so it's, a, it's, it's not ethnicity, ethnicity. It's um, fat. It's basically fat. And then, of course, this brings us to who exactly is fat? A staggering 42% of all Americans are obese. 9% extremely so. The same figure as for the white majority. The prevalence of obesity among blacks is nearly 50% among Hispanics, 45% among mostly East Asians, yeah. only 17%. And can I say, there's a great advertisement for sushi. Right? Correct? Well, uh, uh, East Asians. Well, you know, Asians. Is Asia that Pakistanis and Indians? East Asians. Oh, actually, that's interesting. East Asians, actually, because she's probably talking about Britain. So that would be East Asians, not... West Asians. Oh, actually, that's Pakistanis. Oh, yeah. Sorry, yeah. I take away the sushi reference then. So, so, so it's not racist because uh, you know Pakistanis are not. Uh, so go ahead, go ahead. Man. So she she goes on to say, when bringing themselves to allude to this phenomenon at all, condescending liberal commentators commentators bend over backwards to remove personal agency from living with the burden of obesity, while themselves eagerly embracing fads like the five two diet. That's where you don't eat for two days, basically. So she's saying, she's saying that when they, you know, when they talk about this fat thing, it's yeah. almost as if anyone who's ethnic and has and is overweight they don't have the ability. They don't have the ability to lose weight. Or, or it's racist, as she says. It's like it's like the, the white people are running around dumping fat in neighborhoods. Exactly. That the, the black people are forced to eat. But she said, you know, and it's not the problem of food deserts where sh where shops don't sell greens. Weight wise. It's quantity that matters more than quality. And well, I think we kind of know I, that. I remember, by the way, when we first came to LA, the big campaign was to stop Walmart go, uh, opening in Compton. And the local congressman, Sheila Jackson Lee, is that her? Maybe. Was, was there protesting, stopping Walmart from opening in, in Compton because uh, they're going to shut down mom and pop businesses and because they don't pay their workers enough, like the mom and pop businesses pay their workers. Um, so, you know, the, if you want to get rid of food deserts, get a Walmart in. It's cheap food. It's really good food yeah. as well. So yeah. let, let, let's hear Lionel. You know, and basically Lionel says the problem is not poverty per se. Healthy food is not necessarily expensive. Pro broccoli in the United Kingdom costs, you know, 50 cents basically. An enormous cauliflower, a couple of pounds. I cook at my regular shop consistently costs less than the trolley full ahead mounted with ready meals. And my mother used to always talk about that. Why are people buying ready meals? They're extremely expensive. If, they, if people would not just go ahead and cook. And she said, it's not about ignorance either. She said, any child of any age knows that a pizza makes you fat and lettuce doesn't. That's why they like pizza. And that's why we had a pizza last night. But we only had half a pizza each. And it was one of those ones I got at Costco, by the way. Unbelievable value. God, literally three pizzas for... I'm not getting into it. It's anyway. It would be, be a crime not to eat it. It would be a crime not to eat it. But by the way, very interesting. Lionel Shriver, of course, then tells the story that... She, and she has a personal relationship with this, uh, how, how fatal obesity is. I lost my older brother, she says, to the complications of obesity. And while writing my subsequent 2013 novel, Big Brother, I gave fat a lot of thought. I don't believe this is a racial problem. It's a class problem. Those obesity figures for white Americans and white Britons disguise a profound subdivide. 
However, ironically, given how much fat stuffing the well-off could face afford, stuffing. face stuffing, the well-off could afford, most successful whites eat less than struggling whites, just as they're also far less likely to smoke. In the West, most successful people from any background are under prone to overeat. And basically, she goes on to say that what what, what? what people of yeah delayed gratification. I've been on about delayed. Oh yeah, how important wow. delayed gratification is. That basically, she says more wealthy people don't polish off the Hagendas because they realize you know each day they don't polish polish off the Hagendas because they realize that actually, you know, that protecting your wealth in a law is is actually you know protecting your health is actually protecting your wealth. Yes. And yeah, you know, I fully I didn't I didn't see that particular part of, of, of this piece by Lionel, but it's uh, I'm just looking at it now. It's something I've been on about for but delayed, gratification. delayed gratification. It explains almost everything on the planet who is successful and who is not. And then she goes on to say basically among whites and non-whites alike stuck on social stratum that cultivates low expectations overeating constitutes a refusal to invest in a future in which this cohort has little faith. My my broke demoralized brother ate out of hopelessness. There's no reason to protect human capital that's not buying you nothing. Um, so basically she says to refrain from forking all that ice cream all that cream icing all that cream cheese icing, you need a long range, range goal. That's more important than pleasure in the present. But too many people don't have yeah. a long term goal. So it's a completely different thing. It's not about, it's not an ethnic thing. It's not racist. It's actually, actually it's a much, it's kind of a deeper thing actually. It's about not, you know, about not delaying gratification, about not having long term goals. Yes. And yeah, yeah, suppose to delay gratification, you, you must expect something in the future that you'll be grateful for. And that you're delaying your, 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 your... And also I think what she's basically saying is, you know, the, you know, the idea that obesity, um, you know, that somebody who's... She's, she's kind of basically saying, well, oh, you know, those people, they can't... There's nothing they can do about it. There's nothing they can do about it, you know. They don't, ha they don't have access to salads. Mm. Well, they do actually they have do. access. Everyone has access to salads. People just don't like eating them. Yes. Let's be honest but, about that. But, and we've had that situation in this house. No, it's... But delayed gratification is about more than eating too. It's, you know, people think of delayed gratification of, oh, I'm going to not go to that chocolate bar. Your decision to stay at high school is delayed gratification. Yeah. A lot of people don't like school. Yeah. But, but people realize if I stay on, if I delay, they'd like to get out working and earn money. But if I delay the gratification, the same with going to university. I'll get a reward. I will get a reward, delayed gratification. But uh, I'm, I'm, I think we'll have Lionel on to talk about that. I'd like, I think, to, uh, yeah, I'd no. like to talk more about that. No, so. she's, she's great. Yeah. So Newsom, uh, Governor, Governor Grusom uh, has finally uh, announced reopening guidelines uh, for some California businesses this week. You know, as the numbers have plummeted in California, the numbers of hospitalizations, they just weren't, they just were ignoring them and going with, oh, we've got more cases. And Orange County is among five counties coming off a state watch list. Uh, but but don't don't be celebrating just yet. Uh, they're going to, you know, it'll be after you come off the watch list, it's at least two weeks. And as this reporter says, you should give limited details on what the reopening guidelines would look like. And it's like, why? Why? <laughs> well, I think because he's in the background going, well, what am I doing now? What, what, what do well, I do next? And also, I want, I think they want to keep the economic shutdown yes. going because they see this is the best chance of defeating Trump yeah. in, in the autumn. Yeah.
So Exactly. And, I, you know, I mentioned at the beginning in the teasers that Phelan is so happy about. I mentioned about fake news and like worst fake news stories, Wor- like worst fake news. And I'm, this is a tiny thing. I get so I get a, a newsletter every day from The New York Times and The uh-huh. LA Times and I read it so that you don't have to. And here's what they that's, said. That's what we do for you folks. That's what we do for you. So they have this headline today, virus laggards. And, and just listen to this line, Phelan. I mean, you haven't seen this, so I'm, yes. I'm, 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 I'm okay. going to enjoy your reaction. The United States is no longer the world's only rich country still suffering through a major coronavirus outbreak. So is Spain. That, that's basically all I want you to focus on. There's other stuff there. But that's the line. That's the headline line. Yeah. The United States is no longer the world's only rich country still suffering through a major coronavirus outbreak. So, you know, we talked the other day, Phil, you and I were having a conversation about how do you teach school children comprehension? And I used to be a high school teacher. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I'm going to break this down. You break this down with me, Phil. Tell me what that line means. What would you, if you read that, what would that tell you? It would, what does it mean? The United States is no longer the world's only rich country still suffering through a major coronavirus outbreak. The, the United States is uniquely uh, wrong and bad and uh, it has been... Well, it's also uniquely the only country, rich country, that has actually suffered with a terrible thing. So here, here's a little news flash for the New York Times. By the way, these are you, you are bad people. I mean, I'm actually really serious. When I read that this morning, I just thought, you're really bad. There's no way that the guy who wrote that or the woman who wrote that doesn't know that they're lying. Here's the, here, you know, I'm re, re, it's really angering this, by the way. These are really, really bad people. When, when President Trump talks about fake news, this is exactly what he's talking about. So the truth is, and here's the actual numbers, worst countries in the world per capita death toll. Worst, and here they are. Okay, number one is San Marino. We kind of ignore that because it's a principality. It's a small country and obviously it's a very old population. The worst country right now today is Belgium, not mentioned. Peru, not mentioned. Andorra, not mentioned. Spain, mentioned. UK, Italy, Sweden, not mentioned. Chile, not mentioned. then the USA. USA today is the 10th um, country in the world with, uh, in per capita deaths. In per capita deaths, which mm-hmm. is the only thing that matters. Per capita, because obviously the raw numbers aren't relevant if you're comparing a country with 20 million population and 330 or, million. Or a country like Sweden and the United States. Uh, yeah. You know, yeah. You can't compare the numbers there. You have to compare the per, per capita. And by the way, Phelan and I, as you know, as people who regularly tune into this, uh, this show know, for a very, very long time, the United States per capita numbers were even lower than that. It was yes. like 12 or whatever. Yeah. And, and we were getting sympathy notes from people in Ireland. And Ire- the Ireland number was way higher, yeah. way higher per capita than here in the United States for most of the the last five months. Yeah. So, you know, just going back again to read that again, you know, um, the United States is no longer the world's only, you know, these are really bad people. The New York Times are really bad people to give the, any impression that the United States is in, in any way unique in terms of numbers. But, but, the, it, the last thing, actually, the very last thing that the Americans, that America is, is unique. In fact, if anything, the numbers have been very low here. And yeah. as we said at the top of the hour, at the top of the, the show, um, what happened in New York because of Governor Cuomo is the only reason that the United States is even in the position that it's New in. New York, New Jersey and Pennsylvania. If you took out the nursing home deaths of those three states caused by governor mandates, they all copied each other. In Democrat-run states. And by the way, also very interesting. And I, I, I can bring that number up the next day. I think, that, I think I'm correct in saying that the difference between 
liberal-run states and conservative-run states is, in terms of death toll, is something like 57% higher in liberal-run states than in conservative-run uh, states. To be fair, liberal-run states, they probably have bigger cities, etc. Correct. However, you know, these well, are... Texas these, has a very, you very know, large population. We should, the New York Times does not, uh, does not make such distinctions. They anyway, just, these are really awful people, really awful fake news, if you're ever looking for evidence of that. And uh, I, just, I, I love this. Uh, the LA Times tweeted last night uh, during the RNC conference, Speakers at the RNC 2020 have turned California into a dystopian punchline, portraying America's most populous state as a dangerous wasteland ruled by liberal politicians who are oblivious to public safety. And uh, Molly Hemingway responded, and the question, you know, and question mark. Look, we live in Venice, California, right? And half a mile from our door, if you filmed it and put it in black and white, it is a dystopian punchline. It yeah. is dystopia. It is street after street of people living in tents. Starting uh, fires at night. And someone was stabbed to death Yes, there on yes. Sunday night yeah. as we came back from Idaho. And, you know, it is a dangerous way. It is a dangerous wasteland. And it is ruled by liberal politicians who are oblivious to public safety. Yeah. You know, so... The uh, RNC convention was correct, and and by the way, it gives us no as property owners in Venice, California. It gives us absolutely no pleasure that this place we is, do not, falling, yeah, is falling we, to pieces. We do not want this place to fall to pieces. We do not want our investment here to to to, to, to suffer a downturn. But we have to be honest. We're journalists. This is you know that does look like a dystopian punchline. That does look like a dangerous wasteland ruled by liberal politicians who are oblivious to public safety. Yeah, exactly correct. And then L LA uh, Times. And uh, LA Times. And then apropos of absolutely nothing, because that story was apropos of nothing to do with the COVID. Um, just a breaking news story here. Greta Thunberg has gone back to school. Good news for all of us, I think, actually. You know, right place for her. And by the way, actually from a personal, from, the, from her personal health point of view, I'm really glad to hear that the yes. girl has gone back to school. She should be at school like every other school child. Um, uh, good luck. I really wish the best of luck to her. Actually. I do actually. I really but do. actually, you know, unfortunately, what's going to happen is she's going to go to school and then she's going to get into Harvard, even if she doesn't have the grades. You know, she's good. By the way, I just want you. you there was an Did you hear the little accusation there that I put in a, a new story? Uh, that, that was not connected to COVID. America's most populous state, a dangerous wasteland ruled by liberal politicians who are oblivious to public safety. Tens of thousands of people were out on the streets when we were suffering a lockdown. Correct. Marching in close proximity with no masks. And the mayor, Eric Garcetti, joined them with no mask. That's, so, where, that's where we live. Oh, yeah. so that's your way of getting digging me because I've got, you give me a dig because you're saying that my Greta Thunberg apropos of nothing is actually really apropos of nothing. No, no, I don't care about your apropos. I'm only care, I only care about the, the slurs thrown on my apropos. Enough of this. Tomorrow we have um, our special scoop from Idaho, from Boise, Idaho, where we spent the weekend. And very interesting for those of you who like property and are interested in, um, in things of that nature and what is maybe happening, given what we were just talking about actually this yeah. morning. Uh, you know about the migration of people people getting out of blue states and going to red states getting out of places that are becoming dystopian hellscapes um, we have we're talking all about that tomorrow so look forward to talking to you and seeing you tomorrow and please keep sending in your comments they mean an awful lot to us um, and we really do hang out looking for those so please 
Uh, give us a star rating on whatever podcast platform you're listening on and leave us a comment. Um, we'd love to hear from you. Thanks. Bye. Bye.